Hi and welcome uh, to this week's episode of the DW Podcast. I am joined by Hardeep Singh Kohli, so thanks for coming on. You came to my house. I mean, I didn't really have a choice, did I? <laughs> <laughs> thanks for having us in your home. Oh, <coughs> yeah, well, you know, I like white people, what can I say? <laughs> it's a lovely, lovely place where you stay. Denison's great. Really? I love it. I've no links to this place, but... Um, Is that why you love it? I think... It, because I grew up in this city and I never wanted to leave. When I left for London, I left for three months, me and my then wife. Uh, and that was 22 years later, I came home. And there's always that thing of, because everything's so centralised in my industry in London, there's the fear of coming home and not settling. Sure. Uh, so I lived in Edinburgh for two years. But I missed English people, so it was nice to have them around you in Edinburgh. <laughs> um, but then I came home... I, Ghosts, there's a lot of ghosts, and it's a wee bit like I used to say coming home to Glasgow is a wee bit like making love to the identical twin of the person you normally make love to. It looks the same, but it's a completely different experience. It changes every time, and she doesn't like doggy. Um, <laughs> no, so it, so it feels familiar, and there's so many. Like, yes, there was an Ormore, uh, and I've been to Ormore since I was four years old when it was a Kirk. I used to go to Boys Brigade there. I did my first ever stand up gig in Glasgow there for uh, the comedy festival. in... So places you've got like nearly fifty years of history with, yeah. so you got so that's why I came to Dennis. I'm no history here, so it's sort of nice. The people are fucking amazing here, though. Mm-hmm. Sorry, can I swear? Of course you can. Yeah. Fuck that. Alright, so it's nice. It's lovely. Yeah, yeah, and it was nice coming up the stairs. It's these old tenements and the high ceilings, and it's just a nice oh, place to be. But also, it? it's like uh, I remember like Fenniston. Everyone talking you know, Sunday Times last year or the year before said. Finiston's the coolest place in the UK. And Finiston's amazing. But I remember Finiston when I was away and it was completely different. And folk were just brand new. And I walk up and down Barrows Road. I was just saying this to my pal Kathleen actually yesterday. I was in the West End yesterday. I walked up and down Barrows Road and like, I get recognised a lot in the West End because it's the kind of Radio 4 crowd and all the rest of it. And they kind of know I'm from there. So that's kind of warm smiles and all the rest of it. But it's nothing... Like being in Denison, there's a kind of a grounding you get here, and it's just it's it's what Glasgow used to be like, and it's it's becoming increasingly smaller. Why do you think the West End has lost that kind of feel? I think places change, uh, and you can be over emotional about it, but th- things are never, you know, uh, nostalgia isn't what it used to be. Um, that's an excellent joke. Um, things change and develop, and Glasgow, you know is an international city now. So folk from all over the world are coming here and that changes the kind of urban makeup. And you have to embrace that. I mean, how, I mean, I love Chinese food and this isn't even a joke. One of the main reasons for me leaving Glasgow would have been if the Chinese food wasn't good because I'm obsessed with Chinese food. You'd leave? Oh, I'd have to. It wouldn't be a choice. <laughs> right, okay. so, I mean, if I couldn't get good Chinese food, I would be miserable. And the Chinese food in Glasgow, I think... Controversial. I think it's the best city in the UK for Chinese food. Really? It's astonishing. Where would you go? Kakalok, the Lunfang, Siwu, a little canteen. There's a wee noodle place on Bath Street, and that's just, you know, there's Dumpling Monkey. I mean, there may not be the numbers. It's the quality. It, the quality is absolutely there. And then you've got your shitty wee high street places that, you know, white folk like with chips and curry sauce. Because <laughs> I don't know if you know, but curry sauce is massive in China. <laughs> I think it's hilarious if you had to bring a someone from China over here and let them try the cuisine that you get out of these shows. And what breaks my heart is I never understood why quite a lot of Chinese restaurant staff are so crabbit. And then you understand they've come from a culture that is millennia old, right? 
with food that is incredible. Constructed architecturally, some of it. I mean, some of it is just incredible. Some of it's older than Christianity. I'm eating this food, and folk come in and ask for chips, rice, curry sauce with prone crackers. I mean, chicken you know, balls as well. Chicken balls, you know. <laughs> I've, I've never seen a chicken with big enough balls to satisfy my. I've actually had chicken balls with Heston. Roosters, testicles. Really? Oh, I had a ball. It's not the same as the ones that you get at the local Chinese then. No, but then again, you see, I quite like a deep fried chicken ball. Do you? With that, you know that red, but that, the way you do, like the way you like crack, you know. It, <laughs> you know it's shit that you're going back for more. You know, it, when you've had a few beers, obviously, it's quite nice. But no, I love Chinese food, that's my, my jam. Good. Harking back to it then, you was the right in saying that you were born in London? Or? Yeah, we try not to talk about that though. We okay. try just to gloss over that. Sure. But I was up here when I was four. So you're, you're basically brought up in Scotland then? Well, I could play football for Scotland, like the great Archie Gemmell on the wall I there. I noticed that on the wall there, it's a oh, cracker, eh? A wee brother gave me that. It's, um, I was just watching that goal again the other day. It's a cracking goal. I love that scene for train spotting. I was watching Archie Gemmell's, or I think it's Archie Gemmell's goals. It must be Archie Gemmell, can yeah. only be Archie Gemmell. Yeah. No, it, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm. I wish I was born here, but I wasn't. I was born in London, but <clears throat> I'm, you know, I'm Scottish. Sure. You know, that's who I, <clears throat> that's who I play football for. That's country of my, you know, my, my my origin as far as I'm concerned. Do you remember much of your childhood growing up in Glasgow then? Aye, some great times. Good right? memories. Eh, well, I mean, it seemed to be the greatest irony of all is eh, the immigrants all lived on Glasgow Street. <laughs> which seemed beautifully ironic to me. And the West End was very different then. Uh, it was a lot more run down. Um, and it was, you know, you know, you can uh, glamorise and idealise things. And it was tough, do you know what I mean? Because there weren't many brown and black people, hardly any black people in Glasgow uh, in those days. Um, so, there, you know, it, there was, and there was hassle and all the rest of it, but fundamentally, Ouija's a great folk, you know, and very welcoming, and very like Punjabis. You know, like, we love a drink, we just love a drink, we love meat, we just love meat. We just have fights at weddings, and we start fights at weddings. <laughs> so it was a lot of commonality there, you know. Sure. Um, but then we moved out to Bishop Briggs. See, we were, on, we were in, so Glasgow Street, Otega Street, Bank Street, Great Western Road, and then we went out to Bishop Briggs, which was, I mean, you know, I get slagged off for being a Spam Valley boy. But we just, I mean... I, you know, like my best pals got Wayne's and they live in the south side and I watched those kids growing up and they're like my nephews and nieces effectively. Um, but we literally would go out in the summer holidays, your mum would say, come back before the streetlights go orange, before they go full white. And that's all you had, that's the only concern you had in your life. It's safe, isn't it? It's, you well, know. you know, but the thing is, it's like, Louis C.K. does this thing about, there are no more paedophiles today than there were then. We just knew who they were. You know, sure. and I think in a way, it, it's a chicken and egg thing, right? I see lots of kids walking to school around here, right? Uh, and if you walk to school as a kid, then the cars and the traffic are used to kids being on the roads. So they uh, control their driving, manage their driving. Now, if you take the kids off the streets, then, you know, it's kind of a, you know, but then who wants to, you know, I suppose people say, oh, I'll put my kids in the way of... Cars and all the rest of it, but it just, it, you know, got to my old school, Garnet Hill, it's fucking four-wheel drives and... Yeah, I, I often pass my old primary school, because I still stay not too far from it, and I feel that outside there's always cars, cars everywhere, bumped up on the pavements, you know, and it's actually more dangerous well, for I the kids. Well, I think so. Plus, I mean, like, kind of, we, how is it? 
So I went to school in the south side from Bishop Briggs. So from the north to the south, so it was two buses. Uh, the blue bus in to... Well, it was more coming home. My mum would give us a lift to school because she had a wee shop in the south side. But coming home, you'd have the, the Corpy bus into town, walk to Buchanan Street, and then the blue bus out. Like the Bishop Briggs. Now, if my brother was off sick, and he was quite poorly that year, we were at school together, I was eight years old travelling across Glasgow my own. You know, you wouldn't let an eight-year-old no, go to the corner shop these days. Yeah. I had a great time. Clippy looked after you, the bus driver looked after you, folk looked after you, you know? But I think a lot of that's down to the internet now, isn't it? It's like you say, people hear about what's going on now. It's not Aye. to say it wasn't happening then, it's just people are more aware of what's going on. Right, but then again, it's like... I mean, the closest I ever got to porn when I was a kid was a wee bit of it torn in the bushes. And I mean, and if you found it, you'd be hunting around the bushes for the rest, you know? It was... You got bored if you were at home. Now it's quite difficult to get bored at home. You do nothing. Is that the TV channels? I remember there being just three TV channels. There was always something to watch. And I remember on a Sunday, TV didn't start till midday. Can you imagine that? I think Wayne's have put what up with that. What do you do in the morning, eh? Do well, you have to socialise with your family? You have to have a go shower, out, enjoy yourself. Go for a walk, go to yeah. Goodwar on a Sunday. Do you know what I mean? It was, mm-hmm. you know. It's bizarre, isn't it? I know, but listen, I'm not a kind of Luddite. I'm not going to kind of have a go at the modern world and all the rest of it. Because even so, I mean, you know, there are good people and there are bad people. Just because there is the internet, it, it, it's like the kind of those armchair warriors on Twitter. They're arseholes anyway. They'd be arseholes without the internet. Yeah. You just wouldn't hear quite so much of them because they're cowards, mm-hmm. you know? Because they can hide behind that, exactly. that screen. It's like, it's like Brexit. You know, I struggle to be in certain parts of England these days because those, the people that were racist today were racist before. They just feel empowered now because Nigel Farage has let them say these things. So in a way, I'm happier. I can see them. I know where they are. I know what I'm dealing with. So it's a thing, you know, good people are good people. You mentioned that Hardeep that, you know, Scotland's a welcoming country. Do you feel that it is more welcome than parts of England? Or would, would you feel more open to racial abuse if you were down south? Or? Yeah, I mean, you know, I've... It's been a long time. I, I, I'd be surprised, actively surprised, if I got racist abuse in Glasgow these days. You know, um, we're almost, in a sense, too we a country. Or, and, you know, we're a million people in Glasgow, but you just... You have to get on with folk, you know? And we've been here long enough, our community's been here long enough, and we're kind of actively part of life, and we're, you know, nobody can tell us we're not Scottish. There are bampots everywhere, you know? But there isn't that thing in England where it seems to be the kind of the anti-immigrant thing. We don't have that in Scotland, you know? We're, you know, more left of centre country. And with that socialism comes acceptance, you know? Yep. And I, my fear for it is, because I totally agree with you, and I'm quite proud that that is our heritage, and we kind of stick by our roots to a certain degree, you know, but my fear is with this sweeping populism kind of across Europe, are we more sceptical to get caught up in that? I'd like to think not, but you just you just don't know, do you? Well, I think the, the one advantage we have is we are forced to look at the bigger picture because we are culturally colonialised, right? We we don't have the... I mean, I heard somebody uh, a year ago, just after the Brexit vote, a bunch of old duffers in Doncaster or somewhere up in kind of Yorkshire, northeast, um, 
with Nigel Farage sitting on a cup of tea and one of them said, oh, we'll be fine. We had an empire once, we can have an empire again. And I'm like, are you for real, man? Yeah. You, you know, the, the blood that was spilt. But it's the, the people of the empire that have wiped your arse, have driven your buses and your trains and your nurses, your doctors and your corner shop and you want rid of them. What, who, who do you think is going to do these jobs, you know? So, and also I think we've had to embrace the notion, because I was, you know, I was young, sort of nationalism, Scottish nationalism was a very different thing. There were Tartan Tories, yeah. you know, and there was a kind of, there, there was a racial, racial element in it. But, now I was at university with Nicola, we're pals from way back when. Were you on the same course? No? We, we did a lot together, yeah. Did you? And, you know, civic nationalism, and I just love the fact that if your boots are in Scotland, you're Scottish, you know? Yeah. And we have gone to great lengths to make sure we include people you know, my daughter, Edwin, she's up at University of St Andrews, which, I mean, technically is Scotland. Um, <laughs> she had a post on the window saying, refugees, welcome. And the landlord, landlady said, you have to take that down. I'm joking. And my daughter's like, my daughter phoned up, do I have to take it down? I'm like, do you fuck? She goes, it's bringing down the neighbourhood. She goes, bringing down the house prices. Do you know I mean? I mean, you're getting enough money for a shite flat. Uh, yeah. And, you know, and that, but that's, that's not a Scottish way to be. Not at all. You know? Uh, and we are, I mean, like around here, right? Denison is not, is a working class neighbourhood, right? Uh, and when I came out the Big Brother house, it was dead funny. Literally, I'm literally out of the house and I get walked over to do Ryland's show. And the lassie was from the northeast of England, but she'd been living in Glasgow. And like, I'm just phased, right? I'm not actually spoken to people I want to talk to for three and a half weeks. I've been a bunch of numpties. Um, I'm saying, oh, whereabouts in Glasgow? It's Denison. I said, oh, do you like it? And she goes, I love it because I remember the first time uh, I, I moved in at the weekend and I just caught a cold from just being you know, stressed out and all the rest of it. And I went down the wee shop, you know, first time I'd been to a shop in Denison, uh, I went to get some Nurofen and some Lucozade and I realised I'd left my purse up the stairs. And I said, what happened? She goes, well, there was a fight in the shop. I'm like, really? She goes, yeah, who was going to pay for my messages? You're joking. No, two people behind down the shopkeeper said, just come back and give me the money later. Where else would you get that? Well, you know? here's the thing: is like the other, you know, six months ago, we were in uh, just watching a box set, and we run out of milk. So Kathleen went to the shop to get milk, and her card was playing up. So she said to the guy, she said, "Oh, listen, I'll just leave it." He goes, no, no, it's fine. And he didn't know her. It's not like it was me, and he knew me. He didn't know her. She came back. She goes, "Mind to go and give that guy money tomorrow?" I said, "Fine." So I went to the shop tomorrow and said, my pal was in last night, I owe you for this, that and the other. And the guy said, uh, no, there's nothing in the till. I said, no, it was like £13, I've got the receipt here, it's £13.50. And the guy says, no, it's not here. I said, no, I'm sure it's here, she told me it was here. He's arguing with me. Not and he looks at the receipt and goes, no, we shut at 10.30, it must be the shop down the way. And you're like... That's real honest, isn't it? I mean, who is going to know? You know? People here are great. And I mean, what are we if we're not human beings, you know? Yeah. And that's lacking from society, though, isn't it? You probably have seen that living in London. I stayed there for a while, and I almost feel like you don't know where your neighbours. Stayed in Limehouse. I said, you know, Limehouse is really interesting. It was where the first Chinatown was. Was it? Did you know that? No, I never knew that. So there's, uh, is it West Ferry? Yes. So when you come out West Ferry, uh, and you turn away from the river, it's Canton Street. That's right. Canton yeah. Street was where all the oh right of course the opium dens are. I never knew that. I was there in twenty twelve, and it was very much up and coming. The Olympics. Yeah, pretty much. That must have been exciting. It was good. It was really good, but that area 
there was a real apathy towards people that were down there during the Olympics because they're like, you know, that this is our place, you're gentrifying it. You know, it's it's losing its cultural identity. You know, there's... <sighs> and, and you almost had a slight racist element as well. Like, there is now no uh, East Enders in the East End. You know, it's... I mean, I suffered that. I, I moved to a place called Dalston. Uh, in the East End. It's very uh, hipster off here, isn't it? Well, it? well, it wasn't when I moved in. Um, clearly, I made it hipster, did I fuck? Um, and I moved in because it was um, affordable, you yeah. know? I mean, London's unbelievably expensive, yeah. right? Uh, and when I moved in, there was like a great Vietnamese place downstairs. It was a great dim sum place, some of the best Caribbean food. And you walk through the streets and it was genuinely multicultural. And it was... Great. You know, there's a big African church across the way and Sunday morning, just look out the window and just the colour and the laughter and the vibe, you know, I mean, just like, you know, like little kids kind of all done up and it was just, you saw a different side of life. But then slowly, kind of all the kind of hipster folk moved in and, it, you know, that's fine, you know, but you kind of lose, you lose that sense of, I just remember saying there was an old black guy walking down the street and a load of these guys with beards Brogues and nay socks walked by. I didn't know him. We looked at each other and I said, Where have we all gone? You know, I mean, I'm an incomer as well, yeah, you know I mean? But, yeah. you know, you kind of, you've got to, I mean, I loved living there, but you have to kind of leave plus London's. London's friendlier than people give it credit for. I'll, I'll say that. Yeah. But and there's always something happening, isn't there? There's something every night of the week. You're never going to get bored. It's just, are you going to get homesick or are you going to. You see, you say that, but it's a wee bit like. Glasgow's like a wee corner shop. You've got the keys and you can have whatever you want. London is like the pick and mix at Woolworths, except you're locked in the porch, you can't get in. Because I don't know, I mean, I lived there. I mean, I, I went to theatre because that was part of my job. I went to the cinema because that was part of my job. But, where do, you know, you're not finishing work till 6, 6.30. Yeah. You know, but it takes an hour and a half to get home. I mean, I can be in Edinburgh quicker than I could go home from the other side of London. Yeah. You know, London's great if you've got money. Aye. And the problem is with the rent being so high and the travel being so expensive, a lot of people don't have the money. You know? But then also is that thing of, that false thing of, kind of people, it's a tiny thing, but like couples end up moving in too quickly when they're not ready to because you're spending so much time <laughs> not in the place you're paying rent in. What's the point of paying rent? You're paying like £600 a month, £800 a month. That's half that. You know? Um, it's fine. But I'm happy to be home and I'm not going back again. You've touched on it there, the, the Big Brother house. How was your experience for that? Ah, it was fine. I mean, yeah. you know. I mean, you'll you have done loads before that, but I suppose that's very much exposing yourself to, you know, you're constantly under yeah. camera. People well, are yeah. always watching you. Yeah, but there again, it's like, ugh, I can't hear by this fucking celebrity nonsense of, oh, it was so hard. Listen, we can chuck a stone in any direction for here. You'll find a family that would bite off your fucking hand to three and a half weeks without a bill to pay with food in the fridge and no worries. Now, there's another side of it, but I mean, to be honest with you, it's telly. Yeah. You know, we're not gonna change the world, but neither is it the end of the world, you know? It was, you know, I, I you know, did not like the programme. I've never liked the programme. But I thought I should do it because it was, you know, I was expecting television to change and go back to the sorts of things I wanted to do and it wasn't happening. And after a while, you kind of go, well, maybe it's me. Maybe I should just get off my fucking high horse. It'll work, you know? Do you think that was, you know, you challenging yourself in a way? Uh, or was it more like, let's go and give it a bash? And I think some people almost go in it to analyse themselves, don't they? 
for me, it was like I was. I mean, I'm a th- it's my thirtieth year working in the media, um, and it's not a pleasant place to work. Okay. It, it did a lot of really great work, but it's changed a lot, and and it's not changed in sympathy with my feelings and my kind of sort of things I want to do. And for me, it was kind of like, well, I'll give it a go. I'll have a payday, and because I'm. For me, broadcasting was always about educating, entertaining, and informing. Uh, what I, you know, what I do is significantly less important than a doctor, a nurse, a dentist, a vet, a fucking pin man, pin woman, right? Social work is more important than what I do, right? I don't save anyone's life. So I would think you're maybe putting in there. I think you're maybe an exception to that because I think in this now celebrity-driven culture with the media, people almost see their stock a lot higher than than they probably should. Yeah, but but for what? Do you yeah, know what I mean? No, I totally it's agree like, with you, but it's almost as if people would say, you know, I, I'm super important, I am a TV presenter, or I am a... No, I mean, I think that's... We're very lucky to do what we do, and I love the things I do, but if you're Wayne sick at three in the morning, you're not phoning a stand-up comedian, you know what I mean? Sure. You know, and yeah. it does seem to me... and So for me, as a socialist, my... My attempt is to communicate with people, and and that's the, one of the major reasons Scott Big Brother was to connect with a new audience, and to try and if you want, you know, if you want to change the world, which I do, you know, pompous though that sounds, I want the world to be a fairer place. I want women to be paid the same as men. Um, I want there to be less racism. I want there to be um, more meritocracy. If you want that, you got to get off your arse and do it. Yep. You know, and it actually, it's not about me, it's about the message. Uh, so I thought I'd give it a shot, but actually, my kind of like, I've just started working, I've started working in the renewable energy sector as well. I'm a consultant for renewable energy companies because so, I've hosted the Green Energy Award Scotland a couple of times. And for me, it's like I've got a skill set, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and I want to use it meaningfully, you know, and you can you use it more meaningfully than, you know, trying to help save what we can on the planet. Mm-hmm. So that's really nice. And then kind of community stuff, where we place just in the wee alleyway there called Impact Arts. Okay. They're an award-winning arts company that work with folk who are not exposed to the arts. And it's like, that's, I mean, let folk forget. Who was Burns writing poetry for? For, you know, farmers. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, who was Shakespeare writing stuff for? Poor folk. And there's a thing with the arts just now where it is becoming very exclusive unless you're... Yeah, and it's just utter bollocks, yeah. you know? Um, and, you know, I, I, I don't, it's, it's Wendy's, right? Like you, when you drive through a council estate or a high rise, look at the size of the Wendy's, the houses, right? A lot smaller than, right? Yeah. Why is that? Because they're designed by middle class architects that somehow think poor folk don't appreciate light the way, do you think an architect would live in that house? So these are tiny wee things, right? That, you know, because brick is cheaper than glass. I mean, you know, give folk some integrity to live, you know? And that's, you know, it's again, I was in, what was I? I was in uh, the new Vic, the young Vic in London. And my pal was in a play, uh, The Beauty Queen of Lenan. And what the, the new Vic are brilliant at, because they're in Waterloo and it's a very incredibly multicultural place there. It's a massive African-Caribbean community there. Um, 
and all these, and I don't know about you, right, but like, I see Wayne's now, 60, and I thought, fucking massive, right? So all these, like, the school party in front of me, and they're watching this play, and there are these three kind of older white granny-type women, all kind of twin-set and pearls. These boys are watching this play, absolutely transfixed. There's a highly dramatic moment, and the guys go, oh, my God, can you believe it? And they go, shh, be quiet. And I'm like, no, you fucking shush and be quiet. They're enjoying this. They're taking That's, if the writer was here now, he'd be over the moon with that reaction. Yeah. That's what theatre is about. I'm fucking sitting there. You've been a director for DP. I am a director. Yeah. That's right, yes. I'm, I'm doing your discredit there. You've been a director. Uh, I mean, I think once you're a director, you're always a director. Do you know what I mean? It's like a yeah. Catholic. Yeah. You know, you can't stop being one. Um, <laughs> Even if you don't yeah. want to be. Yeah. Well, I'm just actually um, talking to the folk down at um, or more about writing uh, play a pint a pint and maybe directing it. Brilliant. Um, yeah, no, I love directing. It's almost um, like you can't get away from this or anymore. Well, it's, you know, it's a very important place to me. You know, it's, it's, I don't I, again, I don't, I'm, you know, to go there at four years old, then go back there drinking when I came up to work, my, my brother and I would go drinking there, and then to do my first comedy, Glasgow Comedy Festival gig there. Special, special place. You know, yeah. uh, and then be on stage with Justin Curry and Delamitri boys there. Uh, and then we recorded the Radio 4 uh, sketch show there. You know... It, that was a special place in your heart. Yeah, yeah. you know, and, and also it... We've got this lovely phrase, you'll know it. Well, I can't his father. Yep. Um, and the thing is, Ormore is a constant I can't his father to me. Because that place was up long before I was born. And it will be there long after I'm dead. So whoever I think I am, and whatever I think I'm fucking doing, irrelevant. That building will outlive me. That building is more important than me. And, you know, that's that's quite a liberating thing to feel. Because mm. that, you know, I mean, like, folk kind of go, oh, you're a celebrity. I'm like, I'm not really. I'm not a very good one. Because I'm on the bus, you know? <laughs> but that's, that's probably a choice, isn't it? You know? Well, it is a choice. But also, it's like, uh, you familiar with the work of Oasis? Yes, eh? So the first album, absolutely astonishing. Not a bad track on it. Second album, pretty bloody good. Third album. It all goes downhill for there, doesn't it? Well, you know, when you're sitting in a house in Primrose Hill and you've got security guards and you're not meeting folk. Where are you getting that inspiration, you know? yeah? And I'm about people. I love people, you know? It's like, you know, I've been suffering depression for the last um, few months, just what, what with one thing and another. Um, and Kathleen, my best pal, was always like, get out of the house, get out of the house. And I get out of the house and I meet people <clears throat> and it just lifts my... People. A woman walking a dog. You have a chat about the dog. Go to Chilino, see my pals, buy some cheese. You know, just have a chat with folk. So much to be said about social interaction, isn't there? Well, I mean, this is why in the supermarket I will rarely use the self-service till. I can't stand them. I can't stand them. It's, for me, without butting in again, it's automation for me is the biggest threat to existence. You know, it's like they're doing everything they can to cut out this human interaction to save a bit of money. And it's so, in my opinion, it's so short-sighted, you know? right? You're able, you know, you're in a band, uh, you're, you know, you're, part of your work is like meeting people, interacting with people. So for us, if it was into, you know, uh, automation took over completely, we'd be okay. You know, Redmond's get a pint and my pals are there, it's fine. But think about, like, the old biddy that lives on her own. And Mr Mackay passed away earlier this year down there. I mean... You know, he's going out to the shop and have a, you know, he'd take him half an hour to go to the shop and get milk. Not because it's far away, it's because folk chat to you. And who's <coughs> the only person he's speaking to all day? Could be that shopkeeper. Exactly, you know. There was a funny one <coughs> about Mr Mackay. He was a great man. <coughs> he 
he um mine last year there was a really bad snow yeah. in like November. So we literally I couldn't drive, I couldn't get out of the house. So eventually as it started to thaw, I went down the stair and like he was his late seventies and he was not he was not good on his feet. He walked with a stick, lovely guy. So I chapped his door and there was nothing. I chapped again, I thought shit. And you know that way you kind of go, fuck, I should have come down two, year, two days ago. Yeah. I'm not going to hope he's okay, but I don't know him that well <coughs> to kind of pry. I'm the new guy in the close. Sure. <coughs> so I'm going out the front uh, of the close and he comes back in. I'm like, Mr. Mackay, you're right. He goes, I. I said, I was just chatting your door, see if you want milk or bread from the shops. He goes, I've just been to the shops. Do you want milk and bread, son? I've got a bit extra on my phone. <laughs> That's brilliant. Then. You know, what a lovely guy, you know. And You'd written him off. You thought he was behind that door on the well, floor. Well, it was just that thing of... You know, you don't... That's the thing about... You were talking about living in London. In London, you tend not to... You know your neighbours, because you have to know your neighbours, you right? Would, you wouldn't chat the door, though, would you? You wouldn't chat the door. Yeah. And if you did, they'd think, what, what do you want? If someone <laughs> yeah. died. Yeah. You know? Exactly. Whereas here, it's a Connolly called it a vertical village, and it's lovely, you know? Like, I've got great folk across the close. I'm going to see who takes Mr Mackay's flat. You know, just got really interesting people here, you know? And... That you're forced to interact with people, yeah. So it kind of makes. I think that's probably why we're quite good at chatting in the city because you're forced to. Where do you draw the line? Would you would you have your neighbours round for dinner? Aye, if I like them, yeah, Aye. yeah, yeah. I mean, but there is a thing you've got to remember Cause, that cause like, there is something about. I've got great neighbours as well. I'm very lucky to have them. And do you know the guy upstairs from me always takes the bins out. He's last week he came and cut the back grass, and you know it's it's brilliant. But then I think. Would I have them round for dinner? It's a difficult one, and you hit upon a conundrum of contemporary close life. Um, I mean, it's different for me, because, I mean, I, I cook, that's what I do. I mean, I was in Chilinos last week, and there were two women, in, and things, when I go there, because I was at school with the boys, right? I've known the family for close on 50 years, right? Because um, they've got the two, yeah, they've got one in Partick and one... Aye, this is original, forget the Partick one. Um, don't tell Claudio I said that. Um, and and I know all the staff and everything, so when I go in to get stuff, I'm always like, no, serve them, because I'm, I'm in no a rush. rush. Um, and there were two women there, uh, and, we were just, and one of them had, like, cracking dungarees on, and I said, they're great, and we just got chatting. And they're musicians, they're both in a, a band together, they've gone up to Orkney to play, I'm like, I'm going up to Orkney. Had a lovely chat, got on, you know, got on really well. And I said, listen, here's me, Melloress, come round for dinner, bring your fiddles, I'll get some folk round. Because that's, that is the Punjabi way and the Glasgow way. Yeah. So for me, getting folk round for dinner, yeah. it's just a thing you do. But that's a shared interest, isn't it? You've met these people, you know, we're both quite yeah. artistic, we're both getting that. But then again, you see when the neighbours come in and it's like, I cook, and I sort of feel like he knows I'm a chef. Yeah. And I feel a bit bad they've not been out. I did invite them once, but then I got so fucking ill, I couldn't cook, and nobody, you wouldn't want anyone in the house for that. Do you feel under pressure when you're cooking for other people? No. Because they think, he's a chef, this better be good. Uh, I wouldn't invite those sorts of people around. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you were talking to the dick that invited Angela Hartnett around to his house and then burnt the lamb. And to this day, bless her, just nearly 20 years ago, to this day, Angela will still say, it was braised and slow cooked. I'm like, it was fucking burnt, Ange. Um, no, I mean, you know, I know <clears throat> I've cooked with Ramsay, I've, I've cooked with Heston, I've cooked with Jamie, I've cooked with some incredible people. And none of the, the best folk are not like, they're just, it's the joy of food, you know? Yeah. And that's what it ought to be about. I mean, the problem is, I don't get invited out for dinner very often. <laughs> that's the problem. 
He'll go out for dinner Feel one free. night. He'll go out for dinner no, one night. No, you want to fucking cook me dinner. That's the point. I'm not very good at cooking. See, that's the fucking, that's the shite I have to put up with. Maybe you could teach me. I will give you a cookery lesson. I'm going to hold you to that. I look forward to being held. Oh dear. I don't know if I've got myself roped into here. Right. <coughs> Denison's changed. Um, <laughs> so on top of that, you've got the fringe shows coming up. Yes. Currently writing, or meant to be writing, a new show. Uh, What's your process for it? How do you go about it? Well, it, it's changed and developed actually because I used to do it was a straight man with a mic show, and I'm not really I don't really tell gags I sort of tell stories, uh, and so all the early shows were kind of um, there was an arc a kind of narrative, um, but it was literally just me holding a mic and then just you know as I, as life changes and I get older and stuff and. Um, but a few years ago, I thought I wanted to do something a bit different. And so I started doing a show where it's... Mo- and it just so happened, we'd moved venue to a bigger venue. Because apparently folk like me, I cannot work it out. Um, and it was a lecture theatre. So I thought, well, well I've got to, we'll do slides and we'll do, like, more of a kind of, you know, that, that style thing, which um, is great for me because I'm very visual because I'm a director. Sure. Uh, and so we can, the, the shows have become a lot more political. I mean, it was always political, it's just it didn't necessarily kind of feed into the work. Um, so, this is my third year of doing that new style of show. So I've sort of written six minutes at the beginning. So it's called It's Hard to Be Deep. Oh, and okay. Thank you very much. It's and, and it's about philosophy, actually. It's about where, I mean, if ever we needed philosophers and thinkers, we need them it's now. Yeah. And they're nowhere to be seen. So it's just sort of looking at kind of my personal philosophy and... Do you think they're nowhere to be seen? Or do you think that it's harder to be seen nowadays? With the more outlets that you can project no. yourself on? No? no, well, no. I think... Um, because I almost feel, if you, if you look at, I don't know, the likes of Marx, for example. Yeah. And if he was to be out now, would people listen to him? Or would they be shot down with... Because there's so many other people well, shouting his name. But it's like saying, with the greatest respect, if Van Morrison was around now, would folk not recognise the brilliance of his music? You know, if Victoria yeah. Wood started doing stand-up now. I mean, I think, regardless of I'm the I'm not time, saying that's how I think, I'm just wondering what you're No, 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 I know. Oh, it's too late you said it, but... Um, <laughs> I think uh, truly great work cuts through. Um, I think... Mark, it's really interesting you mentioned Marx, because Marx was a massive influence on me. Um, and if it's as simple as this. If Mayor Folk read The Communist Manifesto... And you know, and say what you want, but I do believe it the would change your life. Well, it would change your life, and actually, the only nexus between man and man is cash agreement. You know, and surely the workers should own the means of production. I mean, why is that such an alien thought? We're doing the work. Why is a man sitting in an office, not sweating a fucking cob, getting the money for why these working women and men are busting their pans? How how is that equitable? You know, and I'll tell you something for nothing. If the workers own the means of production, it would be run a lot better. You know, there would be... I mean, we're, you know, you're from Lanarkshire, right? Yeah. You're very uh, much featured at the Converted. Well, but little but not fact, the first kindergarten in the world was in Lanark, mm. set up by a Welshman. You I know? never knew that. Well, yeah. that's, you know, this is what I find so difficult about folk that have no confidence in Scotland as a country. We invented the Industrial Revolution. There would be no industrialisation without Scotland. Right? And yet, we don't seem to want to back ourselves. You go anywhere in the world, they love us. 
take 1% of that love and bring it back in your heart. And then maybe we can get hold of our own situation and create the country we always should be. Vote for me at smp.com. <laughs> Fucking do it. I, 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 I jumped in on your uh, friend show there. Oh, uh, right, yeah. So, it's um, hard to be deep. Hard to be deep. About philosophy. So, yeah, it's... um, uh, Yeah. I mean, the thing is, it's a kind of... Like the first time I did this show, I previewed at the stand in Edinburgh three days before the festival, and it was a show called... Um, what was that show called? I can't remember what it was called. It was fucking shite. I mean, I mean, it was terrible. I mean, it was. I was. I mean, I'm quite good on stage, so. I mean, I'm comfortable on stage, so folk aren't nervous, and they kind of they know I'm quite good. So that, but the, it was, and then it literally came together in the hour. And I left, kind of going, "Fuck, that's the show," and then completely rewrote it. Um, in three days. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but that's, do you know what I mean? It's, it's not good down. Pressure, though. It's not good down the coal mines, is it? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> sure. It's not being an Uber driver. Need to get 100 quid in to pay for the fucking, the weekend, do you know? It's a nice pressure. Do you know what I don't like about Uber drivers? What? I, I feel They're back? So, I feel sorry. Not, not that. What I feel, <laughs> what I feel <laughs> sorry for Uber drivers and, and I, I don't really agree with it for many reasons, but I don't think that the passenger should be able to rate the driver because if the passenger is totally shit, and he gets a terrible rating, and you're just going to give the driver a bad rating. Yeah. But then, yeah. But the driver has to rate the passenger. Yeah. I've got quite a good Uber rating. Mm, what is Not it? Boston. 4.4? What's yours? I don't do it. I don't do, do, do Uber. Uber. No? On principle. On principle. I mean, to be honest with you, I'd rather not do Uber. So I use the local firm. Mm-hmm. But... You kind of need it for London, that's... That's true. Put you in that position. Aye. Where you become sort of so reliant on it. Mm. I don't think they're that much cheaper either. Well, you feel it in London more than you feel it Do here. You? Plus yeah. also you've got pool. And also the thing I love about pool is when I go, on, when I go to Brooklyn... Um, when I go to Brooklyn... <laughs> Just drop that in there, eh? Well, I love New York. Um, but, and I'm going to go and live there in a couple of years. I'm going to go for six months just once Trump's out of power. I'm not is that sure. your site? Is that set in stone? Or? I just... Um, See, I, I was married at 21 and a dad at 24. I never did travelling. Uh, and I never did um, kind of live in other countries. I mean, apart if you don't count England, um, which is another country. Um, and so now, like, my daughter finishes university next year, the kind of the, 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 the pressure of making sure all that kind of money's in and all that is diminishing day by day. So I want to kind of... Like, I'm a really good... I, I have a natural preponderance to speak French. I'm terrible at it because I just had a bad teacher for a year. So I'm going to go live in Paris for six months, maybe learn French, maybe cook a bit, maybe go and live in Bombay for six months, maybe go and live in, definitely live in Brooklyn. My pal owns a brewery there. So what one? In Brooklyn. I went to the Brooklyn brewery when I was oh, in New York. He's an amazing man. Do you know, I can't believe how small it is for the amount of beer that they produce. Oh, and they brew, they, they brew everything in New York. They want Export it, or oh, they will export it. They won't allow no. Well Park to brew their stuff. You yeah, know. no, and that's why his and 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 I can't. If I go into places Brooklyn, that I have to have it, Aye. just because it's it's we're kind of like he's an amazing man actually. Um, so yeah, I might go and do some stuff with him over there, and um, I just Brooklyn feels to me like the Glasgow of New York. Sure. Uh, great Chinese food, and also <laughs> I, I love the I love the honesty of of. New Yorkers, you know, I love that vibe. So yeah, so 
so when I go there, I always get Uber pool because you. We met. I went with my pal. Who was I with? And we met. A, uh, who was I with? Who did I get a flight over with? I took a flight over with someone. Can't remember who it was. There was a, a Cuban trumpeter. Got into our Uber pool. I'm like, geez, I went to a gig, saw him play. It was just amazing, you know. It's brilliant. It's another form of community. I suppose that's one of the benefits you've got of your job. You know, you can pack up at any point and you can make a living anywhere. You know, you could cook regardless of where you are in the world. I mean... To an extent, it's if you understand you, you could be a comedian anywhere in the world as well. You know? Aye. I mean... There are, you know, there are times when you just want to run away from it all. And so it's quite tempting to do that. Um, but yeah, if you can cook... That's why I'm trying to get so many kids into the hospitality business, you know? Because their knife skills are perfect, particularly if they come from Airdrie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> see what I did there? That was a Uber rating for the mother of yours. <laughs> um, it's just they're portable skills. You can go anywhere in the world, you know? Uh, and I just think... It's funny. It's like I kind of wonder what the point of life is if it isn't... We're on this planet, this amazing planet, this incredible world. And I'm lucky, I've got to see quite a lot of it, but it's been predominantly through work. You know, like, I mean, I've been to Tokyo twice, and, but I was working. I'd love just to go up to a Buddhist temple and just Enjoy sit it. for half a day. Yeah. You know, try not to fart. You know, I mean, the, these are the challenges life sends you. Then go to New Zealand, I want to go to New Zealand so much because it's like Scotland, you know, and got some lovely friends over there. You know, Vegas, my best pal's just on his way. He literally, he's just flying to Vegas as we speak. He's, he's left you at home. Huh? He's not took you. No, no. Can't be that much of your best pal. He is my best pal. That's why he didn't take me. Because <laughs> he's he got to work. <laughs> he's got to work. He's got to make money. Um, so, yeah, it just... It, it, I'm, you know, I'm, I have... Ugh, listen, we all need money to live and work, right? Um, I'm not interested in being like rich because I fuck, I just I mean I'm fucking terrible with money I just give it to folk and spend it on things but isn't that the point of it and so for me what is the richness of your life it's I can't tell you how much I got paid for certain jobs but I can tell you exactly what was in that meal I can tell you exactly uh, where me and Kathleen went and had this beer I can tell you exactly where me and Dougie were you know, when we had done... experiences, isn't it? I mean, isn't that what enriches you? You know? And this is where the revolution needs to start. I used to believe... I, I believe in the redistribution of wealth. It's one of the... You know, I, I do believe that to be a major principle of my, of my belief in my socialism and my philosophy. But I also realised in the last year and a half, I can't even wait for governments to do it. I need to redistribute wealth personally. You know? And whether that's... You know, half the reason I've come back up to Scotland was to to enable me to have a lower cost of living so I could do more stuff with the community that didn't pay. You know, so redistribute wealth that way. Yeah. Do stuff with charities. One step at a time, isn't work, it? Work with, work with pals, work with folk. Because, I mean, I'm never going to not have a roof over my head. I'm never going to go with that meal. Although maybe I should go with that meal every now and again. So what the fuck am I moaning about? You know, I've got amazing parents. I've got great friends. Yep. So if I can eat just... Do something. Enjoy your life. Well, just do yeah. something for the community around me. That totally. you know, I owe them so much for letting me be who I am, and you know, I love this city, and I want to show my love for this city. But you're gonna to go to New York. Aye, but then come back. <laughs> That's, That's fine. Oh. That's fine. No, I, you know, totally. I just um, I could never. I mean, although having said that, 
I think I'd missed anything so much. Mm. I was I was in London a couple of weeks ago, and I'd been booked. I'd booked myself on a train back on the Wednesday, and I got so hacked off. I just took a coach and came back overnight because you couldn't. There was no late trains sure. and no flights, just to be home. Was that nine hours or something? Though? It's fine though. Do you know what I mean? Oh. It was fine. I just got home. Mm. I was in my bed. Seven o'clock in the morning, I was the happiest brown man on the planet. And there's quite a lot of them in India, that are happy. So, 1.3 million, something like that, is it? Fuck off. Um, anyway, yeah. I'll ask you one thing. You Go. mentioned your brother earlier. Aye. Still games finished? Yes. What's your thoughts? Um, about it being finished? Yeah, just in general. I, I mean, I can't really be objective about it, because he's my brother. Um, in a way, I'm glad... Because he has such ability and such talent that like now there won't be that pressure of having... You know, he was brilliant at Still Game. And for me, he was the best one in it, right? Yeah. But now he can really just relax and get on with it. But the live show, you know, the Hydra and all that, and that's great. And, you know, they'll all do really well out of it. And they deserve to. Um, but I just think for him now, he can just go off and explore... You know, because he was a great writer before he started doing that. You know, he wrote amazing sitcoms for Radio 4 and stuff. And, you know, I, I think... Um, and he ha- he's got something on the new BBC channel. It's like a panel show. Yes, yeah. a talk show thing. Yeah, what was that? Which was, should have been my gig. Mm. But what can you do? Which is worked together. It, we've worked together once. Uh, yeah, I would have no issues working with him, you know. Um, but I think for him it's different because I'm his big brother. Yeah, totally. You know, and I've got BAFTAs and shit and he doesn't, so it's a bit tricky for him. Shots fired right there. Shots fired there. Kathleen, is that you? Yeah, oh yeah, how you doing? Put the fucking kettle on, you fecker. Oh no, we're not having tea, are we? You've already made us a cup of tea. No, no, it's beer. Mm. How you doing? Hi. How you doing? <laughs> beer? Beer, yes. How are you? Do I love you, right? Yes. These are people. How you doing? Yes, Thank, stop. Fa- thanks That's for having us in your home. <laughs> it's not our <laughs> home. It's not my home, I just use the keys. <laughs> to see if I'm getting up to let me in. Brilliant. I'm not the laziest man on the planet. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, on that note, we'll wrap up and let you get but your But don't tea. put her on it, man. She's fucking well known enough. Oh, my favourite sort of bag. One that clinks. I know, I know. I, I think the party's just getting started. Here. Well, this is our Friday night. Is it? No. <laughs> it's just every night. Every night, Friday night. <laughs> totally. Hardy, thank you so Not much for your time. Absolute pleasure. Really appreciate that. That was a joy. No. And uh, thanks to everyone who's watched this episode of the podcast. Please like and subscribe, and we'll see you again next time. Like and subscribe. Mm-hmm.